Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. All righty, there they go, out having some fun. Some of you might be new here. Uh, We're not just putting them in a closet for a little bit here. Uh, Kids are going, and we've got some uh, amazing staff and volunteers who are hanging out with them. Uh, Upstairs is our elementary age kids up up through grade four. Um, Downtown here is uh, birth through preschool. And so we just try to provide great space for family, for kids. So again, if you're new here, your kids are certainly welcome to to hang out with us. We're fine with that. Um, But if uh, your kids would like some programming and hang out special space for them, uh, upstairs or downstairs here. And if you've got questions, just feel free to even right now, if you want to head on back into the foyer, talk to some of our staff or our connection team there, and they can direct you to the right places. All right. Now coming up, there's something a little bit special. I want to make sure is on your radar next Sunday during our 1045 service. So next Sunday morning at 1045, we're done with all vacations. We are running headlong into the fall season and we want to celebrate, uh, being family together. And so our, uh, CP families team is putting on family fall festival of fun and more F-words that we can come up with. Next Sunday, 1045. 1045 is Fall Family Fall Festival Fun family stuff. So particularly those of you with kids, uh, come kind of worship with us like normal and then hang out together as family. It's going to be in the South Wayne. There's going to be some great snacks there and some crafts. Who doesn't love making stuff together? Um, and uh, and some, some games and things like that, uh, ways you can just hang out. It's a great way to get to know other families. It's a great way, again, maybe you're new and you'd like to get to know Jess and Lauren a little bit who lead our CP families team. Uh, great way to get to know them and, and be a part of stuff. Now, maybe you're here and you don't have kids. You're like, that sounds kind of fun. I wouldn't mind hanging out and doing some crafts and snacks and stuff. You're part of Centerpoint family. You're welcome to do that, but just be aware. It's centered around kids uh, and, and parents, all right? But feel free to show on up over there at uh, 1045 next weekend, all right? So that's coming up. Now, some of you might be asking, how do I know how all this great stuff is going on? That's a great question for you. So one of the things you can do is go to centerpointnh.org, and you'll find stuff around the website. Look under what's happening. If you're a uh, hard copy person, not the website person, uh, we've got hard copies of what's happening in the foyer, kind of as you head out those doors, look on the wall to the right, or they're also also open on the way to the commons by reception area there, and uh, pull out the paper there, and it tells you all the stuff that's going on here, and that's where you're going to hear about stuff like the fall family festival of fun at 10:45 next week. That's where you learn about that stuff, all right? So check that out. Now, if you're new here or not, we also have these Live It Share cards that are going to be on the end of the aisle, or you can, again, do it online. It's a great way for you to let us know what questions you've got, or let us know that you're here. Maybe give us some of your information. We won't pester you, but we'd love to know that you were here. Um, And also, there's space there on the back for you to share how we can pray for you. Uh, So the leadership prays for all of you uh, throughout the week. We love to get together and do that. Uh, Our staff and our elders, we've also got a great prayer team, so you kind of decide how how far and wide you want the prayer request to go, um, and, uh, and then turn that in. You can hand it to one of us on staff or the connection team. Easy way to do that is the black boxes, say offering by the doors. You can pop it in there as you go by also. And if you want to give, like giving is a part of our act of worship, you can do that online, or if you'd rather do that in person, those offering boxes are secure ways that you can do that uh, after the service is done today. All right? Um, one more thing, and I, I want to say it here, if, if I'm doing it right in my head, I'll bring it up towards the end of the message, but I always get 
so focused and stuff. Sometimes I forget things that I'm supposed to say. So I want to make sure I get this out there too. Uh, coming up on Saturday, October 21st is a, so it's a Saturday. Like I said, Saturday, October 21st, 6.30 p.m. It is a membership orientation. Maybe you've been here for a little bit of time or maybe you are relatively new and you've been thinking, what is it like to be a member here? Uh, coming to that membership orientation does not automatically make you a member, so you don't have to be afraid we're going to rope you into something that you don't want, but it is a way for you to explore what is our church like and what is membership in our church like. And as we uh, explore together what it means to be family together, membership is, a, is an important piece to that. All right, so if you're interested, just make note of that. It's going to be right here. Um, head over to the Commons on Saturday the 21st at 6.30 p.m. And I uh, would love to talk to you about membership. And again, if you've got questions before you even want to come to that, use the Live It, Share It card and uh, just indicate you've got questions about membership and we'll get in touch with you this week. All right? So I wanted to make sure I hit some of those things before we jump into our message this morning. And uh, let's pause and pray. All right? God... Uh, here we are, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on in our world uh, at large, but also in our worlds. And it's easy for us to feel distracted and to, uh, to, to miss what you want for us, but we don't want to do that because we're coming to you believing you've got something for us today. Uh, for some of us, God, we're looking for your encouragement. Would you encourage us this morning? Father, some of us have grown sleepy in our faith and gotten a little bit lazy even. And I pray that you'd inspire us, that you would awaken us through your spirit and through your word today. God, there are even folks here uh, today who they're not even sure, they're not even sure about you. They're trying to figure it out. They're asking their questions, but they got a lot of doubt. Would you speak to those doubts today and show them who you are? Draw them into your love and awareness of your love and your nearness here. And so, Father, by the power of your Spirit, would you give us eyes to see? By the power of your Spirit, would you give us ears to hear? And by the power of your Spirit, would you soften our stubborn hearts so that we can be changed by you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Last week, we we kind of initiated this uh, ministry campaign, this ministry initiative. It's going to be going on over the course of a few years, but we want to take some time and really talk about it together during our messages and and shape and reorient ourselves around um, who are we and and where are we going and and how are we going to get there. It's a a good time of year to to recalibrate ourselves. So for some of us, we've been a part of Centerpoint for a long time and and, and it's just a recalibration moment because sometimes we can begin to get a little bit distracted or uh, get a little bit turned off course. And it's just like, oh yeah, okay, that's right. And, and for others of you, you're new and ask yourself like, what is this church all about? And, and where's it going? And what does it mean to be a part of this local church and all that? So this is a good time for you to be a part of this also. And so we're initiating this ministry initiative that's helping to refocus and clarify some of these things and help us really get traction. And there's a wonderful team in place, a team of, of predominantly volunteers who are really leading the charge for us. It's pretty phenomenal to see. Uh, and we're, we're doing so under the banner of uh, Forward Together. We are moving forward together. 
sometimes in the chaos of the world, it just feels like we're walking in um, you know, chest deep water. But the fact is, uh, no matter how chaotic it gets out here, no matter how we experience the topsy-turvy world, God is leading us and we're moving forward together. And there's three areas in particular that we want to move forward together. Uh, one of those is in what it means to be family, to, to connect with each other as family. Another way is uh, we want to move forward together as, as witnesses. Uh, the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you are witnesses of who Christ is and what he has done. And we want to do that both individually, more powerfully, but we want to do that uh, collectively as a body, uh, as we bear witness to who Jesus is and what he has done. And uh, so we move forward as witnesses together. And then uh, we also want to move forward as disciples together to, to really grow, to, to find uh, strength and endurance in our faith. Can we live in a world that is so at odds with faith in Jesus? And so we want to grow, we want to strengthen, we want to deepen our roots of faith and grow in what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be truly a disciple of Jesus. Uh, not just a, a hanger on around the, the fringe edges, but to, to walk with him as his disciples. And so we're focusing on those three areas in some special ways over the next few years, right? So we're not going to accomplish everything in just the next couple of months, uh, but we're going to talk about it in a focused way over these few months. Uh, forward together, FWD. It's the abbreviation for forward in case you didn't pick up on that. We're moving forward together. And so uh, this week and next week, we're going to take some time. We're going to hang out uh, in, in Fs, uh, in, the, in the F, and what it means to be family together. Because there's something that God is shaping here as family together. And so let's explore that a little bit. And we're not going to exhaust it over this week and next week. But we're going to lay some, a good foundation for us in beginning to grasp um, how God is shaping a people here. For those of you who are interested in learning a little bit more, we've got some brochures towards the back on your way out. Feel free to pick one of those things up. Or you can go to the website, centerpointnh.org, and just... Uh, backslash FWD, and you're going to find your way there. You find a little button at the top of the website, too, uh, for the Forward Together campaign, and that's where you can get more information, even how you can be involved. So we're going to uh, read our scripture today, beginning in Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the first four verses together, and then we're, we're going to jump ahead, because I don't necessarily want to uh, read the entire chapter. We're going to jump ahead uh, and pick up um, verses 14 to 17. So 1 to 4 and 14 to 17, and we'll see how those pieces connect here. All right? So I'm hearing you're flipping. That's awesome. So you can turn in your paper Bibles, turn on your phone. You can uh, follow on the screen if you want. Though I always encourage you to have uh, a copy of the Bible in front of you because you're going to look at things. You're going to flip around on some things and being able to look at that is helpful. It, it helps give some context. So uh, Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That seems pretty good, doesn't it? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's this work that Jesus has done uh, to draw us into his new life. And we're no longer living under uh, the condemnation of uh, sin and death which came, kind of came to our heightened awareness through the law, but through Christ, who became like us, he became like us, he became one of us, uh, as a sin offering, we are freed from the law of sin and death. And we live no longer by the flesh, the ways that kind of are intuitive to us, uh, the ways that make sense, but we live according to the spirit, God's spirit alive in us. And so now we're going to flip over to begin, pick up again in verse 14. And so he's talking about the implication for those who live by the Spirit and the implication it has for our relationship to God and each other, particularly as family. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are, listen to this, are the children of God. Now the Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It's a very tender word for God, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And so you're seeing the the basic uh, trend line of what we're talking about here and that God is doing this work through Christ and through Christ and his sacrificial death, we are freed from the law of sin and death to know his life. And as we put our faith in him, as we come to him in trust, we receive this new life, which is his spirit alive in us. And a lot of times, particularly in our context, we think in terms of our spiritual lives as just me and God. Look at this thing that happened between me and God. But what the Apostle Paul who wrote this, inspired by the Spirit, as he wrote this, what he's also saying is it's not just about like you and God. It's also about you all and God, like like all of you together. Like there is a, a, a thing that God is doing in shaping a people filled and empowered by his Spirit. Right? And he calls us his children. We call him Abba, Father, by the Spirit. And it's this language of family, this tenderness of family. And so as we receive the Holy Spirit, God's, we're reminded that God's Spirit makes us his children. God's Spirit makes us his children. You notice as we were talking about this, it's kind of holding out this life in the spirit versus life in the flesh and talked about uh, freedom and he talked about the bondage that ultimately led to sin and death that we get through, through the law. And so what that means is that no amount of good behavior, no amount of, of good, like you might sit there and, and you might think to yourself, well, I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good person. Like, I'm not like that dillweed over there. I'm a pretty good person. And, and, and we think through those things. And so, so certainly that must make me a child of God. Nope. Nope. Makes you human. And as humans, we are, we are image bearers. We were created to bear the image of God. 
But only those who are in Christ by faith are made children of God because it's a work of his spirit. It's a work of his grace alive in it, in us that makes us his children. God's spirit leads to adoption as his children. Now, uh, the language here is kind of adopted into sonship. Um, Yes, uh, we have to deal with misogyny, and there certainly was a culture of misogyny when this was written, but the intention of that wasn't to kind of have misogynistic language or to exclude women from this. That language of sonship becomes very important because in that day and culture, the inheritance of family uh, went only through the male line. And so we're going to see him talk in a minute, and we'll talk a little bit more about um, inheritance, becoming heirs. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But it's setting the table for what it means to inherit, to, to be an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. And so that language of sonship, don't let that get hung up um, on you and like, well, it doesn't exclude some, it doesn't include, no, no, no. If, if, if by faith you've received new life in Christ and you've received his spirit, then that spirit, you are adopted into sonship. You become a child of God with all of the rights and privileges of what it means to be a child of God. You've been adopted by his spirit. The spirit gives you that adoption through Christ into his family that you would be sons and daughters of the Most High God. If you are in Christ by faith, if you have received his forgiveness and life, then his spirit is in you and his spirit makes you his child. The spirit affects, brings into effect our adoption by God. If you are in Christ, you can say with all confidence, I am a child of the most high God. I am a son of the most high God. I am a daughter of the most high God. What a beautiful gift of his grace that you have been given, that you would be adopted into his family, that he would claim you as his own, as you claim him. So try that as you maybe start a new job or you meet somebody new and they say, hey, who are you? Say, I'm a son of the most high God. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a daughter of the most high God. Just throw that one out there. I've even got a business card if you need it. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the most high God. You're gonna mess with some people's perceptions of who you are and they're like, oh, really? Really, let's call... Let's call for help in a moment, right? But this is who we are. Like, we, we see how this shapes things, how it changes things, right? God's spirit makes us his children. Now, if God's spirit makes us his children, I'm a son of the most high God. You're a son of the most high God. You're a daughter of the most high God. You're a daughter of the most high God, right? We are sons and daughters. We are his children, that impacts our relationship with him, you can see that, right? But it also makes us, what? Family. And some of you just went, oh. 
right? Right? God's spirit makes us his children, and that makes us family. That makes us family. Maybe you've been in different churches and uh, different uh, traditions will rely heavily on some uh, kind of sibling language. And so they'll always talk about brother so-and-so and brother such-and-such and sister so-and-so and sister such-and-such. And sometimes you might think, well, that's kind of weird language to use for Christians. It's really not. We're siblings. We're brothers and sisters. Christ has made us family. Now, for some of you, You've had amazing family experiences. And so when you think about family, you go, oh, that is so phenomenal. That is so good. I can't believe God does that for us. Like you have this visceral response to, oh, this must be good. If God made us family, this must be good. And others of us, let's be honest, we've had some tricky experiences under the banner of family. Maybe we've experienced a breakup of a marriage either as children or as the part of the married couple. And, and the, the marriage didn't work the way we wanted it to. And we've tasted the, oh, the, the hard, the weight of that kind of a breakup. Some of us in our own families, the places where we're supposed to be the safest have experienced uh, abuse at the hand of another family member. And we carry that, sometimes feeling like it's entangling and choking us and strangling us even. And so when somebody says, hey, this is great. In Christ, your family, we go, no, thank you. No, thank you. And so we, we wrestle with even what it means to be family together, don't we? That's okay to say that. There, there is this beautiful thing that he's inviting us into. It's also, let's be honest, uh, like because this is how God always works. God always works like divine and human partnership. That's how God has been doing it from the very beginning. And so we still have this thing where his spirit is doing this beautiful, good thing, changing us, morphing us, transforming us. And yet we're humans and we're in the process of transformation. We're not there yet. And so that means that uh, the closer we are, the more we bump into each other. The more we can hurt each other, the more we can frustrate each other. Because again, the fact of the matter is, none of us has arrived. None of us are completely like Jesus. And so here we are living in the, the bounds of family and the closeness of family. And yet we also experience disappointment. We experience frustration. People don't understand us the way we want them to understand us. I don't understand somebody else the way that they're trying to get me to understand. We experience this frustration. We experience hurt. Some of us are sitting here today and we've experienced such hurt under the banner of church family that you're thinking inside yourself, no, thank you. And you've made promises to yourself. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that again. And yet here we, we grapple with what God is telling us through his word is true of us. God's spirit makes us his children and that makes us family. And you think about how that impacts how we relate with each other. And again, we're not going to flesh it all out this week, but let's just get a little, little taste of it uh, this week. So as family, it means we have to relate with each other, right? Have to look about it, look at each other, <laughs> right? So, so kind of going through with the blinders, like nobody's here. I don't see anybody. Nobody's here. Part of being family is we're going to look up a little bit and we're going to notice and we're going to see. 
changes how we relate with each other. With family, um, we bring honesty, candor. Right? Scripture even talks about that, speaking the truth in love. As family, we love each other. And, 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 and sometimes we can hallmark eyes. I think I just made that word up. Um, but, but we kind of you know, put it into a Hallmark movie, what it means to be family and romanticize family. And, and we can rom- romanticize our relationships with each other and that everything should be perfect. Oh, but it's not, is it? And so we disappoint each other. We hurt each other. We talk truthfully to each other. We lean into each other. We love each other. And again, not in sort of this romanticized, hallmark sort of way. Love means I'm going to move towards you for your good. Like if I say, I love Jimmy, he's my brother, it means that I'm going to operate in Jimmy's life for his good. I'm not going to operate in my life to take from him what I want for my good, but I'm going to move towards him for his good. That's costly. At times, it's costly emotionally at times to be family. It's costly relationally at times to be family. It's costly financially sometimes to be family. But we move towards each other for the good of the other. That's what love is. And so it impacts how we relate with each other. And even in our imperfection, in our we're still on the way. Because right? like, we're still on the way. Jesus is transforming us. The more we walk with him, the more we submit to him as disciples. Um, he's, he's changing us. That fleshy stuff still sneaks out now and then, doesn't it? Like, you see this even in your homes. Like you come out of church, you're like, man, I got this. And Jesus is good. And Jesus is great. And I love Jesus. And we worship Jesus. And this is great. And the kids do their thing. And, and before you even put the car in the driveway, somebody's gotten under your skin. And you were like, will you just shut it? Oh, right? And so the... the, the the fleshiness comes creeping out of us in sometimes surprising ways. It happens as we do this as well, right? We're on the way. But here's what we do. The more we hurt each other, not on, let's, not, let's not do it on purpose, right? Just without doing it on purpose, we're, we're going to hurt each other, we're going to disappoint each other. This is the beautiful place for us to embed in the culture of our family grace and forgiveness, Do you know the only time that you have to practice forgiveness is when somebody has hurt you? Like if you just walked up to a stranger on the street that you've never met before that's never hurt you at all and just said, hey, I forgive you. (laughs) That would be weird, right? Or if you just went through Walmart, hey, I forgive everybody. Y'all, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Right? That doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't, it's not real, is it? But when you've had somebody who, um, who hurt you, maybe even betrayed you, told secrets about you to somebody that they shouldn't have been talking to, whatever, whatever it might be. Oh, right? And then the anger comes in. Oh, I can't believe they did that to me. And then the, the inner promise is like, I'm never going to let anybody do that to me again. And then the, oh, and then the, over there. Right? We find our ways to walk around, treat them as if they're not even there. That's when forgiveness is its most potent. 
That's when forgiveness is activated. And as, as a community, as a family that learns to forgive, then forgiveness is embodied in the family. And it becomes part of the cultural ethos. And as we forgive, we are transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Because he forgives us. The most horrendous act in all of human history, nailing the Son of God to the cross. He didn't defend himself. He didn't strike back at those who were harming him, killing him. Instead, we're captured by his words, Father, forgive them. Nothing they did could get him to stop loving you. No betrayal, no harm, not even death could make him lash out, could make him do anything other than love you. This is what's being shaped in his body, in his family. And so we learn to live as family together. I've seen some beautiful expressions of that. There are some of you who have taken on uh, needs of others. You do so quietly. Maybe you're not even sure that I've caught a glimpse of it. So I'm not like outing anybody by names. But you go and you go and help somebody who can't clean their own home, either for a season or because of their stage of life, and you just make sure their home is cleaned. There have been people who needed food, and you just happen to get some extra groceries as you swung by their home to make sure that they had enough. Like part of being family is we take on the needs of another, right? That, that's part of what family does is we, we take on the needs of another. And I've seen some of the ways that you have done that in such beautiful, powerful ways. And I probably haven't seen most of it. But when we live lives are kind of for ourselves, for our individual selves, we break down the gift of what it means to be family. Can we, can we tack into the wind on this one for a moment? All right, kind of hang with me on this one, all right? So we're going to feel the, the wind in our faces on, on this one, right? So we carry the needs of others. You know, we live in a world that has, it, it just has a, a heightened, even an angry conversation going on around now around sexuality, right? Um, whether it's LGBT or even um, uh, uh, hetero stuff, we, we just like, we live in a world that is this highly sexualized and, and particularly around LGBT stuff uh, and people, it is, um, there, there's so much angry conversation and, and shouting back and forth. And I feel like there's, there's another way that God draws his people into, and, and, and it's anchored in this promise of family. And so I think about this for a moment. And so as a church, like I realize other churches might do things differently, but, but as a church, we teach what we just kind of call a biblical sexual ethic, and that's that sexual intimacy is God's gift to be expressed uh, and enjoyed in the context of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. Right, so, so, so that's our, our understanding of what scripture is teaching and that anything outside of that is, is sin. It, it's just, it, it's sin. It, it's going against God's law and God's, what, how he has told us life works, right? So that, that's what we teach as a church. And sometimes as a church, what we can do is we can say, okay, and again, I'm, we're, 
I told you, we're tacking into the, the wind on this one, right? And we'll kind of say to uh, LGBT people, hey, this is like all sin, um, stop it, or you kind of can't be amongst us. But there's a different promise that family makes for people who are, lo- who, who are, who are working to, to obey Jesus and live in sort of like what we would call celibacy. And so here, here we're shepherding them, and, and we shepherd uh, to the best of our ability, we shepherd people towards faithfulness to God, and our understanding of that would be anything um, that, that isn't in the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman would be um, the call to, to celibacy, to, to make the intentional decision. And so you think about this, kind of what, what they're hearing from the world all around them is, um, can't believe you're giving up love, can't believe you're giving up relationship and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of times the church just kind of keeps hitting them um, and saying, get it right, get it right, get it right. But there's an invitation of family that we get to have as well that says, come, come be with us. Like you're, lo- you're, you're working, you're trying to submit yourself to faithfulness in Jesus. And, and you're giving up what the world says family looks like Come be with us, we're family. Come be with us, we're family. To the very people in the world that we're asking to give up what, what feels like love and what is, everything is being told is love, to give up certain dynamics of relationship, give this up for faithfulness to Jesus, and then we oftentimes just, just let them go on their own. But part of being family and living in the promise of family, it says, come be with me. And we'll walk together. We'll be family together. And again, I told you we're going to kind of tack directly into the wind on this, but this is true for, for, for all single adults. Like we shepherd all of our singles towards faithfulness to Jesus, which anything outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman is, is called the celibacy, sexual integrity. And sometimes we act as if, and this isn't true for everybody, but sometimes we act as if we don't care that what they're left with is loneliness and ache. Wonder, will anybody love me? Part of being family is saying, I know you've given up. Come be with us, we're family. Come be with us, be family. Does that make sense? Can we see some of those pieces there? And maybe we can cultivate a bit of an imagination together on what it looks like for us to, to make that reach to the people around us. We're looking to walk in faithfulness to Jesus in some really hard ways. And part of what we get as family is the strength and the courage to do it because we need each other. So part of being family is we see the need of another and we go, yeah, that's my need too. That's my need too. I'll walk with you in that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it as my own. I'm not just going to go, uh, stinks to be you. But I'm going to own it as my own. Your need is my need. Your joy is my joy, right? So as scripture says, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. This is what family does, all right? Can we begin to cultivate an imagination for what it means to be family together? And think about how that speaks prophetically to a world around us. Think about capturing that voice as family and the impact it has on a world around us that is filled with vitriol and anger and rejection and hatred. 
and deception and lies. To capture the voice of family that says, come be with us, we're family. Let's continue to be a people that cultivates an imagination for what that looks like and how we walk with brothers and sisters. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And family changes everything, right? Family changes everything. God's spirit makes us his children. That makes us family. And as family, everything's changed. This work of God's grace, it changes everything. Go back into the, the piece in Romans that we're talking about. He, he talks about we are no longer slaves bound by sin and death. We have been made children of the most high God. There's a story that's woven into the, um, the ethos, the culture of many of the people who Paul was writing to here. And it was shaped by God's activity in rescuing um, Hebrew children from slavery in Egypt. It is probably the defining characteristic of this people, of, of this people of God, was their rescue from slavery in Egypt. So they were in Egypt as slaves for like 400 years. And that was the Moses story. Again, some of you might not be as familiar with it. A lot of us are. But it's this story, and you can read in the Old Testament book of Exodus, God's rescue of his people. And this became the predominant narrative, this defining characteristic. And so when, when um, other nations would look at Israel and say, oh, you're the people that Yahweh rescued. And as they would talk to other nations, they would say, oh, we're, we're Israel. We're the ones that Yahweh rescued. We were rescued by Yahweh. He, he took us out of slavery. It became a defining characteristic. And so in that context, here Paul is writing in Romans chapter 8, um, you are no longer slaves. You're not even just freed slaves. You're children. And so for um, the uh, Israelites, uh, Jews who were reading this, coming into relationship with Jesus, we're seeing how the, the story continues and Jesus is the real rescuer, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who is the Passover Lamb who rescues God's people from slavery. But also to Gentiles, people who didn't have that as part of their historic story, were being brought into this relationship with Jesus. And so part of what's being communicated is here, you too have a story of rescue from slavery. Yes, you might be worshiping with Jewish people, Jewish brothers and sisters, all under the name of Jesus, and you hear them talk about this amazing story where God rescued them. You're like, oh, I'm Gentile. I don't have this amazing story of being rescued by God. And Romans chapter 8 begs to differ. It says you, wherever you come from, whatever your story has been, your story is a story of rescue. That through the sacrifice of Jesus, through his shed blood, you are freed from the bondage of slavery. Slavery to what? Slavery to sin. Slavery to the impulses of the flesh that lead to sin. Uh, slavery to death, which holds you fast and through which nobody can, from which nobody can escape. This is what holds each and every one of us, holds us fast in slavery. But through Christ, you have been freed. But you're not only no longer a slave, you're not just a freed slave. What are you? You're his child, drawn into his family. 
And so as slaves, it changes your position. This movement from slave to child, it changes your identity. My identity is not my own. That's part of the slavery. Is our identity gets wrapped up in our behavior. Our identity gets wrapped up in our impulses. Our identity gets wrapped up in our, our looks, our dress, our failures. Like all these things glob onto us to give us identity. But in Christ, we're no longer slaves. We're children. And with this new, as his children, we're given this new identity. You are no longer, oh, those who are enslaved. You are those who are rescued. And just like Israel became known as the people who Yahweh rescued, if you were in Christ, you are the people that Yahweh rescued by sending his son Jesus to become a sin offering. This is the first part of Romans chapter 8 that we are reading together. Through that work of Christ, your identity has been changed. And in Christ, our identity is first and foremost as children of the Most High God. He tells you who you are. He tells us who we are. And we are his. And it's this change in relationship, no longer um, held by fear. Fear, run amok, is potent. And even in religious circles, fear is used to control and to draw and to keep. But you are no longer a slave subject to fear. But instead, by his spirit, you cry, Abba, Father, you are his child. And you are free. And you are drawn into his love. Listen to that. By his spirit, you cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Some of you are having a hard time getting past the 70s band. Move past it for a moment. Listen to the tenderness. Oh, the Spirit gives you this. His Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And he's drawing you more fully into his love. Adopted as sons and daughters. You are no longer slaves, but you are heirs of the promise, co-heirs with Christ. The full inheritance and promise of God is yours. The full rights of sons and daughters, the inheritance is yours. We look how he talks about this. Um, again, you go back to uh, verses 1 through 11 and you see what he draws. Uh, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Right? The righteousness of God is inherited by his grace, by his spirit. There's another section here. It won't be up on the screens. Um, but look at this verses uh, 10 and 11. Right? Romans 8, 10, 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, right? So we're all going to die. Skin, we, we're subject to this. The spirit, because, even, even with that being so, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if he... The spirit, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Right? So we are confined by these mortal bodies. But his spirit, the same spirit that brought Christ up from the dead, 
will raise us in him too. This is the inheritance promise of God that we would know life, not just some kind of spiritual disembodied thing out there somewhere someday, but this is what scripture talks about, new heaven, new earth, and the resurrected bodies. The resurrected bodies, given this new body. This is the promise of inheritance. And as Christ is the firstborn to have experienced that in his resurrection, we become co-heirs with Christ that we too, in hopefulness and righteousness, will know resurrected bodies and a life that cannot be stolen and is no longer bound by the mortality with which we anguish and weep and mourn. And so there it is. God's spirit makes us his children. That makes us family. Get over it. It makes us family. And family changes everything. Listen to this last verse. um, uh, John was talking about this at the very beginning of the gospel of John. He's talking about Christ and the light of the world and all of this stuff. Uh, Listen to this in John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. To those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. He gave them the right to be called children of God. This is a gift of his grace. It is a work of his grace that we receive because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We can know this new life. And by the power of his spirit, he is making for himself a people. The lineage of which flows not just from Abraham from generations before, but the lineage of which comes from God himself and lasts into eternity. This is who we are. This is who he's shaping. So listen to that summary again for those who believe, for those who receive him and believe in his name. Call them the big three, if you will. God's spirit makes us his children. Sons and daughters of the most high God. You're gonna break, break up here in a little bit. You're gonna start going your own ways. Maybe you're gonna meet somebody new. You say, hey, what's your name? My name's Matt. Who are you? I'm a son of the most high God, right? So you can practice it together here before you take it on the streets on Monday, all right? So you gotta practice that together here. God's spirit makes us his children and that makes us family. As a matter of fact, we can even say it, that makes us family, baby, right? God's spirit has made us his children and that makes us family, baby, right? That makes us family, baby. And family changes everything because God is good. Let me pray for us. Jesus, make this real for us.
Oh, you have done so much for us. You've been doing so much for us for generations. And here it is. It's, it's ours now, the work that you're doing to make us your people. Shape us, mold us as your people that we might know you more fully. That because of how we live together, we might have strength to endure when it is hard. That we might celebrate in victory. That you would teach us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. Why? Because you have made us family. Thank you for this gift, Father. Shape us, mold us, create in us your desire for a people who bears witness to your name and brings glory to your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Now you're about to go crazy introducing yourself as children of the Most High God, which is awesome, but before you do that, maybe you're here and you have actually never taken that step of faith to become a child of the Most High God. Remember what John says, it's for those who receive him, for those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Have you received him? Have you received him? Have you believed in his name for the forgiveness of sins that you might know his righteousness and out of his righteousness know his enduring love as a part of his family? If you have never taken that step of faith, we've got a prayer team up here who would love to pray with you that you might know that new life beginning today. Don't leave with questions, all right? That can be settled today that you might know him. If there's any other reason that we can pray for you, we'd love to be able to do that as well, okay? In the meantime, walk as his people. Who are you? You're a child, a son, a daughter of the most high God. Who are we? We are family. And that makes all the difference. May you walk in his peace. May you walk in his joy. May you walk in his abundant love as you go. Take care and have a great week. Live in his family. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.